Okay. Uh, yeah, good day, everyone. I'm Colin Cole. I'm from the S. Rajranam School of International Studies. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast uh, with my friend, Derek Grossman. Um, and today we are you know, going to talk about uh, the Biden administration's policies in Southeast Asia, have a discussion about this. So maybe if I could um, you know, ask Derek, uh, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yes, I'm Derek Grossman. I'm a senior defense analyst with Rand Corporation. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much, Derek. Uh, maybe you know what I want to ask is, what do you make of the Biden administration's policies towards Southeast Asia over the past six months or so? Because I think there had been quite a bit of expectations on the part of ASEAN governments, uh, but you know, in, lately we have uh, seen quite a bit of commentaries on you know, how uh, the Biden administration has been perceived uh, in this region. So what is your take on that? Yeah, thank you for the question. So I, I think the Biden administration still has a lot to prove when it comes to Southeast Asia policy. And you can point to a number of reasons for this. I mean, first is that the Biden administration is clearly prioritizing shared values over shared interests. And by values, I mean democracy, human rights, uh, freedom uh, abroad, and that doesn't always resonate well with Southeast Asian countries, many or most of whom are, you know, at least semi-authoritarian or authoritarian. And you know, if you want to do the engage in this ex quote unquote extreme competition with China, you're going to have to try to get as many of those countries on board as possible. And so some of them may get uh, a bit alienated by uh, this administration's emphasis uh, on shared values, vice uh, interests. And I think that this is kind of, um, you know, showing itself with the Myanmar crisis as well. Uh, when you look at the five-point consensus that ASEAN uh, came to back in April, none of those points mentioned uh, returning control of the government back to the civilian leadership. I think another issue is, and we saw this with uh, Secretary Blinken's uh, snafu on the VTC uh, on May 25th, you know, uh, it looks like the U.S. is not really paying attention to the region. And those, for those of you who don't know, Blinken was unable to call in to uh, the ASEAN foreign ministers meeting for about 45 minutes. Uh, so, you know, those types of things don't really bode well. But what do you make of the administration's policy so far? Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Derek, for sharing your views on this. I mean, I, I have one comment to your uh, take on it. Okay, so I think first is that I mean, certainly uh, after Biden took over, um, you know, the the priorities appear to be probably anything except Southeast Asia. The way I see was, you know, in Asia, I mean, the, the key meetings uh, that were done were with the key Asian allies like Japan and South Korea. Uh, and of course, you know, gradually we have seen the recent times uh, Biden and, and his, uh, you know, cabinet officials uh, are more focused on uh, Europe and to sort of reinvigorate the transatlantic ties. And it appears that, you know, besides India, uh, that has also gotten quite a bit of attention because it's one of the Quad member states. Uh, Southeast Asia appear to have been neglected or, or be seen as an afterthought. But I just want to ask you this one question because, you know, you mentioned about shared values, but uh, you know, what about we looking back in history? I mean, during the Cold War, uh, the, the US government was willing to actually work with authoritarian governments 
um, they may not be democratic, but so long as they are anti-communist, right? But of course, the current context is different. We're not talking about an ideological contestation here. But, you know, if we use that historical analogy, do you think it's possible for some flexibility in Southeast Asia? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think there would be a lot more flexibility within Southeast Asia, but the reality is that wouldn't be the America that we all know in this country. I mean, you have to expect America to talk at least, to at least talk somewhat about democracy and freedom and human rights. I mean, look at the Sec- Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman's visit uh, in late May, early June. She visited three countries, Indonesia, Cambodia, and Thailand, and she talked about those issues in all three of those countries. And when it comes to Cambodia and Thailand in particular, those countries don't want to hear about those those types of things, mm. right? And so if you're going to be engaged in this extreme mm. competition, I mean, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the order needs to be, I think, reversed in order to have the best chance of competing with China. Let me just add a couple of other mm. points. One mm. is that the Biden administration may go too far with competition with China. Mm. And that may, it's in and of itself, alienate some of the Southeast Asian countries. I think it already is. Uh, and, you know, the mm. bandwidth just is not there. We don't have the ambassadors in place. We don't have the assistant secretaries yet for state and defense in place. So we're not really paying enough attention to the region as we should. Granted, we have a lot of other priorities right now in this country, but Southeast Asia deserves a shot. And last word to you. Yeah, thank you so much, Derek. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's probably still a bit too early to see, you know, what going, is going to transpire uh, out of Biden's uh, policy in Southeast Asia. So along the way, let's hope to see that there will be some improvement uh, along the way and there will be some policy tweaks, you know, on Southeast Asia. So yeah, with that, thank you so much for sharing your views on that, Derek. Thank, thank-